So have you got a kid that suffers from separation anxiety where leaving the room, even to go to the bathroom, is enough to push them over the edge? Is it normal? What can you do about it? And just when you thought it was safe to book a dinner for two because your kid can get <laughs> themselves to sleep, they suddenly forget how to do it. What do you do about it? <laughs> We're going to talk about all those things and more today with our very special guest, Dr. Justin Coulson. This is Dad Pod. Yes, indeed. G'day. Welcome to Dad Pod. I'm Osher Ginsberg. That's Charlie Clawson. Hello, Charlie. Hello. We are two dads. And what, what, Charlie, I love our catch line. What's that catchphrase? Uh, well, don't touch that. No, no, no. <laughs> dad Pod. It's a podcast by dads for dads. That's for dads who don't want to be shit dads. That's right. right. Yes. Uh, our new catchphrase. I love right, it. Of I course. love it. We'd get on Redbubble right now and, uh, and <laughs> we're going to make some coffee cups. It's going to be great. Um, you can always find us, askdadpod at gmail.com. We're just here to uh, you know talk about what parenting is in 2022, parenting two toddlers. They're nearly three now, both our mm-hmm. youngest kids are nearly three. And um, you know, just how, to, how do you be a dad that doesn't look like he is an idiot in a TV commercial, essentially? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm starting to understand why that trope is so prevalent, Osh, yeah. because I am feeling like an idiot dad. In a Man, what's been going on, bud? Oh, it's just, it's a lot to do with the uh, dynamic of our family, which is kind of the inverse, the mirror of your dynamic, yeah. which is one parent is away working while the other parent is doing a lot of the child rearing. So that's happening in our house. And the knock-on effect from that is that Iona has been experiencing a lot of separation anxiety. So, you know, when mum's away, Things are actually okay in a weird way because she's got me there and and, and I'm like, but then mum comes back and it's a twofold effect where she smothers mum, doesn't want mum to be away. Like I, Gemma can barely even leave the room for longer than a minute when she, before she gets anxious. Yeah. But the knock-on effect is that I am persona non grata. Like she doesn't want a bath. And, and it's difficult for both of us because I want to help Gemma, but I can't give her a chop out. I can't mm-hmm. go pick her up. I can't even like, you know, take her for a walk, whatever, because she just wants to be on mum. And so, you know, we're, we're just working through that, knowing that this situation is not going to change anytime soon, you know, like, that's just the nature of, of, of the work that we do. And also just trying to work out how to make Iona more comfortable with the situation. Obviously, you know, we don't want to scare her. She's more aware of the the concept of abandonment, I guess, you know, it's sort of creeping into her language a bit about, you know, you, you and mummy always going to be there for me. You always going to be around. Are we always going to be together? And so it's sort of preparing her for, well, no, that, you know, that the nature of how this family works is that, you know, generally one parent will be away for a, a short period of time and making her aware of that without scaring the shit out of it. And I don't know that we're doing a great job of that at the moment. Man, I, I certainly know what you're feeling like. We've been, um, you know, moving back and forth between Queensland and, and New South Wales. We've gone for a couple of months up in Queensland and I was back and forth a little bit. And Wolf is doing the same thing with Audrey. And to the point where to get to sleep, the, the foreheads have to be touching, mm. right? And I can see like Audrey like needs to do things like, I don't know, go to the toilet, maybe get out of pajamas, like actually like do human Mm. functions of the day. (laughs) But exactly what's happening, man. The moment she gets out of the room or steps out of the room, you know, Wolf will just chase, follow her 
and I yeah. just can't get anything done, even if I go grab him and try to go, hey, man, let's go do this thing. And they like, take him to the, the mother load, like, it's bluey. Nah. Yeah. Still doesn't want to do, do it. Do you find that like your attempts to help actually makes the situation oh, yeah, worse? Absolutely. Because that's kind of yeah. like, and so I get caught in this kind of paralysis where uh, like the last couple of weeks, Jem, because she's, you know, getting ready to do this job in the US, has been having these early morning Skype meetings and stuff. And so it's the it's the the danger game because she's having to get up and get out of the bedroom. And then as soon as Iona, you know, wakes up and is aware that mum's not there, and you know, we've got a fairly big house, but a screaming child can pierce through any kind of like walls. Yeah. So it's kind of how to wrangle that, like how to kind of keep her calm, like, you know, waking up and mum not being there. And I don't seem to make the situation worse if I'm trying to soothe her or calm her. And like you say, you know, the fallback of he's an iPad, he's blue, not even that's not working. Yeah. She just wants mum. And we just don't know what to do. Like it, it, it this morning it was like I think she had a 6.30 a.m. call. So I said, well, let's just all get up together and we'll all have breakfast together and then you can slide off. And it worked to a point, but then she became aware that mum wasn't there and then she just wants to go see mum. And then I start feeling like like the bad guy because, you know, she's trying to get to the stairs so she can go down to the office to see mum and I'm trying to hold her and I don't want to like physically restrain her, but I also know that I don't, you know, want to ruin Jem's meeting by having the sound of it like a shrieking baby in yeah. the background. I don't know. We're just like all at sea. Oh, mate, I, I get to the point where I'm just like, all right, here comes the wolfy crane. And I'm, you know, I just pick him up, put him over my shoulder, and <laughs> off we go. And we'll just go do something else. And I'll do everything I can to just try to distract him. You know, just everything everything I can. But then it's like you've got to get him dressed to get him out of the house yeah. to do something. Uh -huh. And it's like even getting dressed, it's like she does, she does it. It's like I actually, you know, we always quote Predator 2. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I admire her for what she is, not what she does. Because some, like her inability, like her ability to resist getting underpants put on, to resist pants. Like she'll do this thing where she'll bite the ankle of the pants so I can't actually get her pants on. And she will grip onto that thing like a Rottweiler. She will not let the pants out. And I'm like, I don't know how to fix this situation. I don't want to yank the the pants out of your teeth. I just and I, and I can't negotiate. And it's also that kind of, you know, they get that toddler rage where it's like no amount of negotiation, no amount of kind of soft talk not will get through to her. So then it's like, do I let her go? I don't know. I just, I sort of just, that's what I said. I get like struck with just complete kind of, uh, I don't know what to do here. Yes. I think, you know, some sometimes you just got to, She's got to do the best you can. If it and as we've heard on this show before, if that means we're going for a walk and you're wearing your pajamas, then we're going for a walk and you're wearing your pajamas. That's you know, and that's just it. Well, funny you should say that. Last night we painted her face like a dragon, and uh, pre bedtime meltdown where she didn't want to take her makeup off. I'm like, okay, well, you know, if you want to sleep with your makeup on, that's fine. So she went to sleep with the makeup, and then she woke up and she was so excited that she still had her face paint on, but her teeth her dragon teeth had rubbed off in the sleep and so that was a meltdown and so we basically had to repaint her face to send her to daycare today and i'm like is this i mean i guess this is what we do like you know yeah. she wants to go to daycare with a face you know looking like a the the fifth member of kiss then i guess that's how we're doing it. oh yeah yeah audrey tells stories about that georgia like would not like he's like i I'm not leaving the house until I am dressed like that Disney princess. No, it's not going to happen. I don't want any of those clothes. That's the clothes I want. It's like, 
okay, kid, we're right. going to be late, so off we go. And I, every so every time I see, when I'm at the shops or whatever, every time I see a kid, you know, walking around at a, you know, like in a, with a cape or a Spider-Man shirt, I'm like, I know exactly what happened to your ass this morning, mate. I know, I know why Batman's here today. Yeah, <laughs> path, like, of le- path of least resistance. Yeah, it was like, dude, I just got it. We need more milk. Let's go. Let's. We're going. Batman, come with me. Dark Knight, get in, get on board. We're in taking the tumbler. Get in the baby seat. It's going to be on. It's going to, it's going to be great. But at bedtime, your options are pretty limited. And mm. we've had a pr- pretty interesting couple of months, Charlie. We were up in Queensland making uh, a TV show when we came back. So we essentially moved, which was one wild thing because what are we going to do? We're going to – you can pack away for a weekend. You can pack away for a holiday that's a week long. But to pack for 12 weeks, we just took everything because what are we going to do? Just go and buy doubles of placemats and bibs and – no. So we had to take – Fucking everything, and I drove. Yeah. I drove the car up, so it was packed to the gills. The rest came in a, in a van with a motorbike. And um, what was interesting is we had to resettle Wolfie into a new sleeping space. All right, into the which was hard because he just gotten. Dude, we've got this beautiful sweet spot where I'd be like, okay, mate. I'm going to go now. You're right to get to sleep. Yeah, I'm just going to turn my light on. I'm going to read myself. I'm going to read Alpha Babies and then I'm going to read the feelings books. Okay, mate. So once you finish your books, you'll go to sleep. Yeah, I'll go to sleep. And I'd watch him wow. on the little camera, right? And he would literally he would turn the little light on. He would read his book, then read the other book, then turn it off and roll over, grab Bunny and sleep. I was like, what That's wizardry amazing. have we created? This is amazing. We're the best parents in the world. Three weeks later, we're in Queensland and I'm back on the floor. You know, I'm back on the floor sneaking out two hours later. Dad, where are you going? Nowhere, mate. Nowhere. I'm right here. I'll stay until you fall asleep. And so we had to hit, we had to hit reset on that. And, and what it did though, Charlie, is it led to the midday nap starting to get missed, which, mate, that midday nap, long may it rain, dude. Long mate, rain. I'm so concerned about that midday nap leaving. But he started to miss his midday nap and then get into that parallel universe um, that toddlers exist in where neither time nor reason nor logic uh, exist <laughs> somewhere around about 4.15 p.m. And they're like, okay, here we are. Yeah. We're in the other world now. Here we go. <laughs> and so we, we had to start doing things like having literally having a 4.30 bath time, all right, just to hit reset on the chaos and then trying to get yeah. some food into him and then bed somewhere around 6, 6.30. But then it, you know, then it all starts again. And um, so eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks of that, now we're back in Sydney, back in his actual bedroom and whatever we'd been working on, whatever the rhythm we've gotten into up there, out, gone. So now we're back at it, dude. We're like, uh, we're, we're starting all over again. It's like we've gone back a year and trying to help him learn how to fall asleep again. Oh, uh, man, I... I hear we 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 in the same situation. Uh, she was doing so well sleeping on her own, and then two weeks of uh, she had gastro, and then a cold, and then she was in bed with us. And now that combined with the separation anxiety means she cannot be out of our bed, oh, and it's just like oh, like last night I thought we actually oh my god, like she was sleeping in her bed, but then sure enough, like just before midnight she comes through. <laughs> it's just on top of Gemma, like in the same way that Snoopy sleeps on top of his doghouse. Yeah. That's how she sleeps on Gemma, just <laughs> yeah. like lying on top of her. Man, yeah, it's 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 really f- and he's he's waking up in the night a lot too, more way more than he used to, and he only wants mum. He only Ugh. wants mum, and I'll I'll go in there and you know I'll just try and chill him out, and uh, yeah, it's just does not work. It's hard, yeah. It's, it's but. You know, that's all a part of it. It's like the toileting, you know, you get 
It's a little, little like Sisyphus, you know, you kind of roll it up the mountain a little bit and then it rolls <laughs> back down on you. It's like, okay, let's go again, mate. Up we go. And then you just, under, just being an acceptance that it's not a straight line from here to yeah. falling asleep by yourself and being an acceptance that it's not a straight line from here to never wearing nappies again yeah. and just being okay with how far back down the mountain you've, you've fallen and then you've got to keep rolling that big stone back up and even more. That's, it's a thing, tough thing to accept. It is. Mm. But- yeah, it's been a, it's, it's, yeah, it's a whole new journey now, man. It's a whole like to the Ooh. point where we're actually pretty stoked that he's he's back in his day his Sydney daycare now because we just kind of needed that circuit breaker. We're like, okay, yeah, you know, and Audrey did too. It's like you are now going to have seven hours, eight hours where you can't find mum because even if we had someone come over to help us unpack all the stuff, he knew mum was in the house. That was it. Yeah. All over. couldn't get anything done. Yeah, and, and I think too like the the daycare thing because when we were in Queensland last year for five months with no daycare. Mm. Like it's the actual socialization yeah. which teaches them the resilience and the separation from mum. And I think that, you know, when things are uncertain and destabilized, like it makes sense that yeah. the kid wants to cling to what they know. But since we've been back and she, we're actually going to increase her daycare to four days a week because I think she gets a lot more out of it. She doesn't have siblings, yeah. you know, and she doesn't have like neighbors. She has friends in, in where we live, but she doesn't have neighbors she can play with. So I think, it, she does a lot better and it's so much better for her. And she talks about her classmates and we're setting up play dates and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I'll be interested to talk to uh, Dr. Justin Coulson who's coming up on the show because I, I feel like there is some kind of like solution there yeah. that, that is in front of us. But it, at, in, in the moment and, you know, with the anxieties of like work and, and, and parenting and me trying to work from home, it just it feels so overwhelming at the yeah. moment. We, I just need some light at the end of the tunnel. And that's why we have experts on this show to <laughs> actually come on and say, it's going to be okay, guys. We're going to. I know. What were we doing in the three seasons prior to this one where we thought we can figure it I out? Think we'll do we it. were just forging <laughs> forth in the naivety of, yeah, we were okay. I think we did okay. I think we did okay. But now the, the sure, reality right. is drawn dawned upon us, yeah. and we're like it's the weighted blanket of life has encompassed us. Like Jesus, we're going to need help here. But that's fine. Yeah, Dr. Justin Colson's coming up later in the show. <laughs> uh, if you do want to email us, askdadpod at gmail dot com. We're going to get to your mail next. If you want to find us uh, online, it's pretty easy, dadpodgram on Instagram, and you can also email us, askdadpod at gmail.com. You can always DM us in the Instagram or or send us an email this week. We got an email from Tori. Uh, I'm assuming Tori is a a lady Tori. A lady lady Tori. Uh, It'd be so great to get a dad's perspective or thoughts of what their partner goes through post-birth, not in terms of the baby, but their actual physical body. I know after my first baby, I was shocked at some of the postpartum occurrences, bladder control, night sweats, hair loss. It's pretty wild for a woman, but it must also be relatively eye-opening for their male partner. Would be a fun concept to chat about if you're keen. What you haven't written, Tori, is a dangerous concept to chat about. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's a fun concept. That was the one word in the message that I was like, I don't know, that would be fun. But it is something worth talking about because yeah. I think there is a, a lot that I was unaware of that Gemma was going through post-baby that especially to do with the kind of just the, the basic kind of physiology of how the body has to put itself back together. And, you know, Gemma is someone who likes to be quite active and and fit and healthy. And she went back into Pilates and I think she went in too early when her core hadn't probably knitted itself back together again mm. and found that was like a real issue for her. And I would say that it's probably really taken about two years for Jem to kind of slowly sort of feel like she's back to 
herself again. And, you know, as the, the, the partner, like it's just, a, I wasn't aware of it, but B also like, it's just time and patience Mm -hmm. and understanding that, that closeness and that relationship that you have and the physicality and stuff, it just has to, and it just, you just need to put a pause on that for a while because it's not only physically what they're going through, but also how they're feeling about themselves. Yeah. You know, as Tori was talking about, you know, the bladder control, night sweats, it's, you know, shocking. It's stuff that they're discovering for themselves. Mm. And I mean, I think that, you know, they always say if like men have to go through what women have to go through <laughs> physically, there would be no comparison. Like the the women's ability, their endurance and, and pain threshold and stuff is so much higher yeah. than men's. Without without a shadow of a doubt, man. We've we spoken earlier episodes about actually, Tori, you may want to go back and check out the episode. We, we even we talked about sex. We talked about sex after after childbirth and the the changes that occur there. Um and these are things that as a partner, as a as a male partner of a female mum, yeah, these are things that absolutely uh happen. And like, like anything, Charlie, I think like it's like wishing for your life before kids to be the same again. It's never going to mm. be the same again. You're never going to get a call at six o'clock saying, hey, can you come to a poker game at seven? And you go, okay, see you, honey, bye. Like that, those days are gone. And we talked about yeah. that earlier on the show as well. It's like just understand and be in acceptance of just say, make a little paper boat, send it out into the sea and say goodbye <laughs> Because mm. here comes this whole new life with a new set of priorities and, and a new way of doing things. And the rewards are beyond anything you could imagine, but it doesn't look anything like what you used to expect. And and similarly yeah. with, I guess, b- both of you after childbirth, it's never going to be what it was. Mm. But it'll be something different, which will be just as amazing, but it'll it'll just be different and understand that. And also too, it's like, I think it's not a competition. I think in the age of mass media and now Instagram and influencers and stuff, this competition of you have to get your body back to pre-birth status, you know, instantly. Like my post-baby body miracle, eight weeks to look like this. And it's it's such bullshit, you know? And for what? What's the logical extension of that? Okay, so you've got this amazing post-body back. Like, are you a better person? Are you a better mother? Are you a better wife? Like, it's it's ridiculous. And I think that- we are so subject and, and prone to fall victim to these kind of influences mm. because they're around us everywhere, but it's just not the reality no. of, of life. No. And I would be so appalled if like Gemma's number one goal post birth was to get her pre baby body back. Like if that was <laughs> the one thing driving her, I'd, I've made a terrible mistake. Oh, yeah, this well, is not the woman for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, but Tori's right. I mean, make no mistake, Tori, it's as different as it is, it is way more incredible because you are now, I, you know, I know what you've done it before with Georgia, but I'm like, I now have this knowledge that he's this person that I, I was so in awe of and had so much strength and was just so incredible. And then I watched her do this thing that was the greatest thing I've ever seen another human being ever do. And I just, and I get to be with her and I get to cuddle her and I get to show her how much I love her. And like, it was just the, the intimacy changed, but the level of intimacy increased, if that makes sense. Like the level of emotional mm. intimacy that I experienced after childbirth was way more than prior to childbirth, which was really surprising for me. Uh, physically, I think the other thing that many, many people don't talk about is what happens to women's feet sometimes after childbirth. All those relaxing, the relaxing hormones, they can change women's feet quite a lot. 
post-childbirth. And it can be a real problem. It can be a real, real problem. And I don't think many partners are, are kind of aware of how that can be an issue. Like, oh, we're going to go on this holiday. We're going to walk around and see 17 cathedrals in a day. Uh, no, you're fucking not. You're going to walk for an hour and a half and then you're going to sit down, you know, <laughs> because, I mean, you know because being aware of that and, and this podcast has always been for dads, mum, dads, and anyone who's like not the child birthing part of, of it, like the other one. <laughs> and so whoever you are, it's important to understand that uh, there are changes. There will be changes in uh, the body of the, of the person that is, you know, giving birth to your kid, but who they become, who they transform into is incredible because of that. And it'll be different, yeah. but it'll be even better yeah. if you can have both at the same time. I mean, relationships do that, child or not. You yeah. know, like that initial, you know, that honeymoon period of relationship where you're having sex five times a day and everything like that, that is unsustainable. And what you hope would increase as that decreases is a deeper intimacy and understanding and respect and love and unity and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think that does continue. And, you know, for those who uh, want to have children or those who do have children, like Osh says, it's, uh, it just increases, but in a completely different way. And I think that if you're with a partner who thinks that things should go back to the way they were, well, in for a rude yeah. awakening. Yeah. The denial is more than just a river in Africa. Yeah. <laughs> Tori, it's always great to hear uh, from uh, you. It's always great to hear from people that listen. You can always find us. You specifically, Tori. It's you always great specifically, to hear from Tori. You. I love getting emails from you, Tori. Askdadpod <laughs> at gmail.com is our email address if you have any questions or you have a story for us. Also, dadpodgram on Instagram. Justin Colson, Dr. Justin Colson. He's the founder of happyfamilies.com.au and uh, he's up in a second and he's going to I think he's going to set us straight on a few of the issues that we're having today. Hopefully. <laughs> bloody hell. We need it. <laughs>Asha, very excited to welcome back to the show Dr. Justin Coulson. He's the founder of happyfamilies.com.au. He's the host of an enormously successful podcast called Happy Families. He's written six, soon to be seven books. He has six children and he is our resident parenting guru. Justin, welcome back to Dad Pod. Hey, thanks, Charlie. Nice to be with you guys. Tell us about the new book. Yeah, uh, seven books, but there's definitely not going to be any extra kids. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Six is enough there. Um, so, so the dummies people got in touch and said, can you can you help out expecting fathers? I don't know if dads are allowed to be expecting in the same way that mums are, if you know what I mean. But, but basically, I know it's 2022. I've got to say that sensitively <laughs> and carefully nowadays. But the whole idea is uh, dads kind of don't really know what to do when it comes to supporting their wife or partner through pregnancy. And then they end up being this sort of yawning appendage during labour, wondering if it's impolite to pull out their yeah. phone and have a quick squiz at the scores while the labour's progressing. <laughs> yes, so I've written a yes, book so that dads know is. how to Yes, it is. That's right. So I've written a book to help parents, especially dads, to work through that stuff and be the support that their partner needs them to be in a time when, oh man, I mean, this is such a powerful and enormous bonding experience. Well, I'm so happy that you you are writing that because that's essential. That's basically the why Charlie and I started this because when we when we were first, you know, expecting our, our little ones. We went looking and the the books were all aimed at mums and the dad stuff was pretty much all metrics and weights and this many grams by this many months and that that was about it. And so that, I can't wait to read it, man. That's that's going to be fantastic. We're grateful to have you on the show because um, unlike us, you actually have uh, letters after your name. You've studied. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, mate, it's been a big week for both of us. Charlie does a lot. We're kind of opposite ends. I, I'm away a lot for work. 
and Audrey's home with Wolfie for a fair bit. But Charlie's got the opposite experience where um, Gemma, his wife, is often away for work. Charlie's at home working. He's got, you know, an intense writing and podcasting career and looking after Iona. So we both have situations where the kids are away from one of the parents. Yeah, and anxiety issues uh, seem to be manifesting. Uh, well, it, it, the way it's manifesting for Iona is that it, it's when Gemma is home, she's smothered, like Iona is all over her, to the point where if Gemma even leaves the room for you know more than a minute or so, she starts to get really, really anxious. And we've even noticed creeping into her language, it's like she's become aware of the concept of abandonment because she's needing reassurance about, are you always going to be here? Are you always going to be around? Are we always going to be together? And it's sort of something that we have to uh, navigate delicately because that is not going to be the case. In fact, Gemma is preparing to go to America on Monday for two weeks. And we are like terrified about how we break this news because you don't want to lie to the kid. But at the same time, I don't want to give her the scary news. This, this one thing that she's been freaking out about is actually going to happen. So what is your advice? This is one of those cases where the stats don't necessarily exist in harmony with what your life experience is. So separation anxiety, uh, child's fear about being away from their parent or carer, getting really clingy, crying a lot when the parent or carer is separated from them, usually starts at around eight months and reaches its peak at about 14 to 18 months and then slowly subsides during childhood. Curious thing is that Western culture is one of the only cultures where we really see this level of separation anxiety. And I think it's because of the way we live. Like if you're in one of the more traditional kind of cultures, I'm thinking about the Inuit or the, I don't know, the Maya in the Yucatan or uh, an African tribe or something like that. Uh, Even in in many Asian uh, nations, when you have those kids, it's not like you have a parent go home and sit with that child nonstop. And I mean, that's what we do here in this culture, right? But in so many other cultures, that kid goes through like 10 different sets of hands every single day. Mum will mm. still do, I don't know, 20, 30, 40% of the work, but the child's exposed to heaps and heaps of other people. Here in Australia, that's not how it works. And so what ends up happening is that our child ends up in a really unhealthy kind of codependent relationship with their parent. Obviously, kids are meant to be dependent on us. I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't have that, but it's not a healthy form because once mum leaves or and and we and I'm using mum as the example because from a research point of view kids develop what we call an attachment hierarchy and the person at the top of the hierarchy in the vast majority of cases is mum usually mm. followed by dad hopefully but sometimes older siblings or grandma or an auntie or someone like that will be number 2 or sometimes it might be a babysitter or a carer who's involved with the child's life so in your case Charlie you've got Iona who's missing mum, mum's at the top of that attachment hierarchy. And so when mum comes home, even though she's well beyond that sort of 14 month peak of separation anxiety, the way that you guys are living your life, the fact that you've got a a wife, Gemma, who's always traveling, uh, you've got this kid who's essentially sending this huge signal, which shows that she's healthy and functional, right? This is a good signal saying, mum, I miss you. I hate you being gone. It crushes me. It breaks my heart. Please don't leave me again. And I need to I need to stay close to you so that I don't go through the pain of you being gone. How guilty do you feel now? Really, really guilty. I'm thinking <laughs> that we need to move to Asia and start sharing around with 10 to 20 other villages. <laughs> oh, just get the in-laws to move in with you, Charlie. Bring oh, the in-laws in and you'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> not, not everybody has that situation, Justin. I mean, I think about, you know. No, they don't. Audrey uh, had Georgia and she was by herself. She was 23 and she had Audrey yes. by herself. So often you don't have that kind of support. What kind of language, what kind of prep can Charlie and Gemma, and you know, do around this situation um, where mum's going to be gone and 
probably only able to talk on maybe the phone or FaceTime only at a short amount of time every day. This is one of those ones where I would not be actually doing a whole lot in terms of prep and conversation around this because what you're going to do is build anxiety and anticipation of pain Mm. in Iona. So if you're going away for a long time, don't make a big deal about it. Uh, Don't do a whole lot of prep. It's just mum's going away and she's going to be back soon and and, and leave it at that. The bigger a deal you make out of it, the bigger a deal Iona will experience because she's only three. She doesn't understand the level of permanence. She doesn't understand what two weeks means. Her her concept of time is thwarted. It's not rational the way yours and mine works. We get two weeks. We know what that means. But when you're only two or three years old, like two weeks – that, that's an eternity. In yeah. fact, two weeks as a proportion of her total life lived, she's three years old. She's lived 150 weeks. Two weeks, we're talking about like 3% of her life. She's going to now not have mum with her for that amount of time. And that's inconceivable yeah. for her. Mm. It is. It really, it's, yeah. it's, it's like for, for us guys, let's say we're all in our 40s or 50s. We're talking about 12 to 18 months wow. of being without somebody as a proportional representation. And, and if, if yeah. you had somebody that you love and rely on for everything saying, yeah, I'm just going to go away for a year and a bit, you'd kind of go, oh, this is going to be so hard. So for her, she's three, two weeks is massive. She doesn't even understand what two weeks any, is anyway. So you just take mum to the airport. Mum's going away like she always does. Give her a big hug. Give her a kiss. We'll talk to her on the phone later. And that's it. I, I guess the one thing that I'm sort of reassured by is in the past, like it generally, this this pattern follows the same track. And then when Gemma's gone, I guess the hierarchy shifts and suddenly I become the number one caregiver and she's quite happy to be around me. When she has the choice between mum and dad, it's always mum. But I'm thinking like, yeah. okay, if we can just sort of get her to farewelling mum at the airport, I am confident that things will settle, but it's just sort of in that period when Jem is home and she's getting smothered because it's hard for me to give Jem a chop out because she doesn't want to be away from her. Yeah, and in those circumstances, two things. First of all, ring-a-ding-ding, you're the king while Jem is away. But when she does come, and and that'll change. As life progresses and Iona grows into a tween and a teen, you'll actually see you become – primary yes. in, in, Finally. A, in a variety of different Number ways. Yeah, like a, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> it, it will happen. But when Gemma is home right now and she's feeling smothered, the, the only way to deal with that is for you to say to Iona, hey, we're going to go for a yeah. walk, we go for a bike ride, we're going down to the beach, and you just do it. Or you say to uh, Gemma, hey, you know what, hun, just go for a walk. I've got this. Because it's not healthy for your little girl to always be it's stifling mm. for both her and for you guys as parents. The other thing is to make sure that she's out and about with friends, like develop those relationships from her play group or her kindy or whatever it might be. Because when she's got those other relationships that she's developing and building, it's much better for her and it's good for you guys as well. Can I ask on the on the other side of things, I we, we actually kind of did that because I had to come down to see, we were based on the Gold Coast for about two or three months shooting and I had to come back down to Sydney for a week and we realized the night before we'd already put Wilford to bed, we hadn't told him. We hadn't told that I was yeah. going to be gone for nine days. And I didn't get a chance to speak to him in the morning. And when it comes to mum coming back or dad coming back, is things like counting sleeps, is that is that a way to kind of represent time? There's only two more sleeps, only one more sleep. Is that sort of something that can, is it okay to talk about that? Oh, sure. I think that's a great idea. I really like that. I hadn't thought of suggesting it, but once you're gone or once mum's gone, it's so nice to be able to say, mummy's going to be gone for this many days. So let's cross off the the X's on the calendar mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Uh, I mean, if it's going to be a long time, 
then you might want to give it a few days before you get cracking on that. Make sure you're down to sort of like the last five, six, seven <laughs> yeah. days or something because crossing off a day, like for 15 yeah. days, it's that's overwhelming. That's a lot. Once you start crossing off the first two and they're like, but there's still that many to go, that's just It'll do their head in. So we don't want to make a big deal about it. We want to make sure there's enough contact where possible. And then it's about making sure that even though in Charlie's case, you're trying to work from home, you're trying to juggle a child, find different ways to get your little one engaged in other social activities and other recreational activities, get out of the house, be with other people, invite other people in, do that sort of stuff so that you two are not just relying on one another to get through this. That's really good advice. I mean, it's a good thing Jem's dad's actually staying with us at the moment. <laughs> He's actually out from Portugal, so it's like I'm going to be leaning on Grandpa Roger a bit, I think, this week. Yeah, yeah, wow. perfect. That's super cool, man. Because uh, you've 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 done stretches without Gemma for this long before by yourself, and I talked to Charlie at the, like day four. <laughs> 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 he made the mistake of asking if there's anything he could do to help, and I gave him a list of about 16 tasks. Yeah, okay. You can just unsack the dishwasher. Can you clean up those yeah. toys over there? In fact, in fact, I'm going to go to the gym. Can you just mind it for like half an hour? Like, <laughs> oh man, that's so good though. That's that's what it's supposed to be. Like, that's actually healthy for uh, Iona, and it's healthy for you, and it's really good for Grandpa. Yeah, like that is that is so good. Similarly, on that, Justin, we've actually, like I said, we've all been away, and then coming back to our our actual home, we experienced this situation twice. We moved into another house basically for, th- for two or three months, getting Wolf settled into a new sleeping space and then getting him resettled back into his own. And so like the sleep routines and he was getting to the point where we were able to say, okay, good night, mate. And he has a little night light. He would turn and I say, okay, buddy, you're going to turn your light on and read your book. Yeah, I'm just going to read my books, dad. Okay, I'll see you in the morning. Okay, good night, mate. And that was it. And we're now back to mate, would you like me to lie in bed, lie, lie on the floor here while you fall asleep? Yes, please. Okay. And once you fall asleep, I'm going to go, okay, mate. And so now now we're back to that. And we kind of, we nearly had to do that the whole time. In fact, I think we did it the whole time we were away in Queensland. So what are some things we can do about getting him resettled and getting back into that independent going to sleep routine? Going back to that cultural thing that we were talking about before, what we've done in Western society in making our kids sleep in different rooms and sleep so far away from us and everyone's got to have their mm-hmm. own bedroom, it goes against biology. It goes against, how, depending on way, what your background is and what you believe about how humans have evolved, it goes against the entire history of human evolution, that we'd be sleeping separated like that, especially separating ourselves from our young. So I'm going to sound kind of a little bit woo-woo here, but if your child is craving your presence at bedtime, what their body and their mind and their psychology is doing is precisely what it has evolved to do, what it's developed to do. It's normal, healthy, and natural. And rather than saying, you know, you need to learn how to go to bed on your own. Like if they're doing it on their own, that's great because you get you get some peace and quiet. Oh, yeah, he was, mate. He was all over it. He was like, okay, I'll see you in the morning. So, okay, mate. <laughs> So the other thing is we've we've got unpredictability in the environment and kids go through these yeah. cycles, right, where it happens and then it doesn't happen. It starts and then it stops. We always had a rule in our family and that was that you girls, because we've got six daughters, you girls are not allowed to date until you're sleeping in your own bed and you're 16. And so far they've all figured out how to sleep in their own bed before 16. So um, the dating <laughs> issue has never been a problem for us. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, it's so great to have you back on the show. You can go to Happy Families 
Dummies.com.au. Uh, the new book, is it called Childbirth for Dummies? Is that what it is? <laughs> no, it's A Dad's Guide to Pregnancy <laughs> for Dummies, second edition. It's, it's an Australian edition. Just look for the one with my name on it because there's an old one as well, but it's the second edition revised and updated by me. But I cannot wait to read it because that was originally going to be the title for this podcast, but we got a cease and desist from the dummies people, so we had to change it. <laughs> Would have been a great name. Great to talk to you, mate. Thanks, guys. Well, that about brings us to the end. It's always great to have Dr. Justin Colson on the show, Charlie, because, you know, he hears what you have to say and goes, mm-hmm, yep, right, yeah. got it. Here's what you're doing wrong. <laughs> I do, I love it. Yeah, no, it actually is reassuring to know that uh, this uh, period of separation anxiety is normal. Yeah. And also the idea of like allowing that resilience to build organically. Mm. You know, you don't need to prep a child and talk them through it. Uh, definitely include them in the process. But, yeah. you know, when that parent goes away, they just say goodbye to mum or dad at the airport. And then naturally they'll build up that kind of that resilience, which I think is, you know, reassuring for now. Yeah, the the, the idea that the paradox of it, what you talk about, that the, the more protective you are of the kid, the weaker you're making the kid. It's hard to accept that that's the mm. truth, but he's not wrong. He's not wrong. It was great also hearing him say that it's not a straight line from getting to sleep by yourself. Uh, once to getting your sleep by yourself forever. That this is going to be back. It's going to happen. You're going to have ups and downs, and that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the power dynamic shifting, <laughs> <laughs> the hierarchy of influence. Oh, boy, I bet you are. <laughs> you can always find us uh, again, askdadpod at gmail.com. Uh, until next time, boy, I've been saying this a lot lately, Charlie. Don't touch that. 